Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Chris. Hi. Um. So, good morning. It is a lovely Saturday morning, which is always my preferred time, I guess, to do these LinkedIn lives. I'm so so happy to get to do another one of these, and they're honestly becoming one of my favorite things to do. Um, with my Empowered Farm D um, brand so far, so let's just wait a couple of a little more, you know, maybe 30 more seconds for people to come on, for people to be notified that we're live, so that they can interact with us and engage um, on this episode. Yeah, we're excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, our, this is our first time ever being on LinkedIn Live too. So <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. Have you guys done any other lives besides this one? Uh, the first time I ever went on IG Live was when I was trying to help you last Saturday. <laughs> 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 to figure out how to do this. Yeah. So Elizabeth is an awesome friend, super supportive. And so last weekend, Sally and I, who is my co-host for my podcast, Hey Our Ex-Friends, we got this. We tried to do a um, Instagram live to celebrate our 100 followers and just in general, everything that we've done so far. And we struggled so hard. It was like, you could, if you were with me in my apartment, I was sweating. My heart is racing. I'm like, why is it not working? And it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're so excited to do it because it's such a like an exciting time to celebrate and like you know share our accomplishments with everybody and it just was not working it was it was horrible so but elizabeth tried she gave me all the (laughs) advice and uh it just didn't work out but hopefully we can do it again um i love linkedin lives because there is an aspect to having a very authentic conversation which is something that i prefer um in any of the content that i you know, consume online. Um, I love it when people can be real and honest and knowing you guys for so long, I'm excited to be able to have a real and honest conversation about this topic um, with you. So be very real and very honest. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Let me go on LinkedIn um, on my phone and see if people have already started joining us. and we can get started pretty soon. Yeah. I'll also share on LinkedIn just that this event's going on too. If you're cool that, just yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. We are good and ready to go on LinkedIn. So let's awesome. go ahead and get started. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Thu Nguyen. I am the founder of Empowered Farm D. We are a brand that's been um, focusing on providing pharmacists with important tools and information to empower yourself in your career as you go through the professional landscape of pharmacy. Um, for me, the reason why I created this was because when I first started out in pharmacy, it was somewhat of a struggle for me, figuring out a lot of the logistics of how do I perform and how do I establish a practice at the site. And um, there was a lot of also emotional issues that occurred (laughs) in the beginning because I, I didn't have the tools that I needed to do well initially. So there was a lot of having to, um, pick myself back up and figuring things out, 
figuring things out as I go, which is a lot harder, especially if you're a new pharmacist. So this is what I'm trying to do um, on this platform is to give you advice and information so that you do not falter as often as I did and just making it an easier time for you. Um, today, I have Elizabeth and Chris Nguyen. <laughs> um, let me turn off the music <laughs> so that we can focus on each other. So um, today we have Dr. Elizabeth and Chris Nguyen, who are um, friends of mine in real life. And actually, they are about 10, 15 minutes away from me, depending on the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, uh, you know, going live anyways like this, just because it would be a lot of people in one screen if we're all together. Yeah, that's very Who knows? True. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know how to figure all that out yet. Um, but one day, one day. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I wanted to have them on and talk about this particular topic of how do we develop um, a good interprofessional relationship between specifically physicians and pharmacists. I think we work together all the time. We collaborate very often. And yet, I think that there is some misunderstanding between the two professions sometimes. And if we could maybe dive into the differences and maybe the way that we view each other too, maybe we dive into that a little bit, we can come out of this conversation knowing how to work better with each other. And so that's my biggest goal today. When I first started working in my first job, the hardest part for me was the culture. How do I interact with the, this doctor versus that doctor versus that doctor over there? And one thing that I know um, from just personal experience is that if you don't have a good relationship with the people that you work with, then your job satisfaction is going to decrease and you're not going to enjoy what you do all the time. Um, and so I really want to make sure that we really dive deep into this topic so that, yeah, we can create a better workplace for everybody. Um, but I want to, first of all, have you guys introduce yourselves and then a little bit about your day-to-day -day activities. Perfect. Ladies first. Okay, well, um, I'm Dr. Elizabeth Wynn. I am a family practice physician here in the Valley. Um, I've known to for pretty much more than two decades now. So she is like one of my closest friends ever. And I'm very, very inspired by her and inspired by all her ventures. So she's actually made me think about pursuing my own ventures as well. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm originally from Tucson, Arizona. I ended up uh, doing some, um, excuse me, just one moment. I just want to make sure one second here. Sorry. Yeah, I'll take that. So she's on call. Uh, with her work. So I'll go ahead and take care from here. Um, everyone, my name is Chris. Um, I met Liz back in 2016 when I was going through pharmacy school, and that's how, how long I've known through as well. Uh, but before that, I am originally from San Diego, California. I did my undergrad over at uh, University of California, Irvine, uh, where I majored in biomedical engineering uh, with emphasis on pre-med. Um, I didn't go to medical school, but I did have enough prereqs for a pharmacy. Um, and then in 2014, I went to Midwestern, Pharms, uh, Midwestern University for pharmacy school and graduated in 2017. Um, initially, I worked at uh, Walgreens for just under two years. 
Um, and then afterwards in 2019, I transferred over to uh, meal order pharmacy where I've been since then. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Chris. So yeah. this is kind of cool because we're doing something live and we just caught on camera Elizabeth's <laughs> <laughs> some of Elizabeth's Sorry. duties as a family physician provider um or yeah and so that's kind of cool like we caught a glimpse of what it's like to be yeah. a doctor on call on the weekends very awesome so yeah. thanks Chris for sharing your story and Elizabeth if you yeah. could <laughs> I'm so let sorry us know about a little that. bit about your no your I, on call like this I, is I mean, healthcare was... provider I was on call. I've been, I'm on call all weekend. And the thing is, is that nobody called me like at all. So I was just like, I think I'm scope free. It should be okay. And so it should be okay. And then I, when the minute I thought that it was like, okay, the never minute mind. You're live. People are like, we need to talk to Dr. Nguyen today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how life so, works though. But you yeah. know what? This is why I do love lives because there are things that pop up and you just can't control them and you just got to go with the flow. And I think that's yeah. why it's really interesting um, that this is live versus, you know, recorded because I can, we can record this and then I can like friggin' chop it all up and then people mm -hmm. aren't going to get to see like the real true, you know, background behind the scene stuff. So anyways, yeah. Elizabeth, take it away. Okay. So back to where I was coming from. Um, I'm originally from Tucson, Arizona, been friends with two for many, many, many moons. Um, uh, I did my undergrad at University of Arizona and I went to medical school over at Midwestern University in Glendale. And I ended up uh, staying in the Valley for my residency training for three years. And now I'm proud to say that I'm an outpatient uh, provider for Honor Health. So I'm, I'm very proud to work for them. So I'm very proud to just drop their name drop. Them, so. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Thanks, guys. And you guys are sitting in the same room. And why is that? Do you live together? What's your relationship there? So we're married. <laughs> uh, yes, we're married. And um, yeah, we're just chilling in our living room so we can actually sit side by side and yeah. enjoy time together on this beautiful set. Yeah. <laughs> we are actually going to be celebrating our first anniversary next Sunday. So nice. we made it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so not only do they, um, not only do they have the same last name before they were even married, uh, they, they're, um, a duo, a doctor and pharmacist duo. So that's what makes me really more interested in you, Elizabeth, and your perspective of pharmacy, because you are a, you know, a physician, but you know, a lot of us pharmacists and you see us on the personal side and not just the professional. And so I think, maybe that affects your way of approaching, interacting with pharmacists in your daily practice. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that. Um, and the thing is, is that I, we, in our friend group with you, Chris, and just all our other friends, um, all our other mutual friends as well, we have a lot of pharmacists um, in our group. And the thing is, is that it makes me feel more comfortable in the sense of being able to approach my pharmacy colleagues. Um, and I feel like that's, that's something that is really important from the day-to-day -day basis is just being able to not be as intimidated when approaching your colleagues as well. So um, I, you know, I also have that perspective as well that of what pharmacists do. Um, and because honestly, before I was in a relationship with Chris, 
um, I really didn't. I had I would I had my own perspective on what pharmacists did um, when I, even growing up when I was younger because I grew up with a doctor dad, a nurse mom. Didn't really see what pharmacists did in the background, and then when uh, he started working, and this was when we were initially dating, and I was in the, my first year of medical school. Um, he actually more or less enlightened me on what what they what he actually did in a setting that I was so familiar with seeing pharmacists doing, but I didn't realize how much they were doing, and so that gave me so much more respect and. Um, just the fact that we have um, a lot of interprofessional um, like classes and uh, activities incorporated into our curriculum, it just made us more aware of what our pharmacy colleagues did. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. Um, I'm curious. You said that you, because you know pharmacists in your personal life, that you don't feel as intimidated approaching pharmacy colleagues. Do you? feel intimidated and do other physicians feel intimidated because as pharmacists we that is a an idea that's very unusual i guess you know because yeah. usually pharmacists are intimidated to come and talk to you guys yeah. i think there is maybe that intimidation on both sides like maybe we can dive into yeah. that what do you guys think yeah so i mean for me at a at, baseline as a person. I'm a very timid person, even though I'm a family medicine doc, I I'm just a very timid person. And when it comes to approaching any sort of stranger or anything like that, um, I just, I just end up like, you know, feeling a little bit scared. And that's like a, that's, I guess that's what I meant by intimidation because I, uh, but the kind of the minute I see, um, the title of pharmacist or something like that. And within my colleagues, I, it makes me, think of like someone like my husband or someone like my friend Thu and also my friend, all my other friends. And so it just gives me a little bit of comfort when com coming to uh, approach them with a question or a concern um, and not fearing judgment on my end, because I also yeah. feel like there is that expectation that we're supposed to know a lot of things too. And when I ask my pharmacy colleagues any questions, initially I was afraid that they would judge me because I didn't know the medication factors or I didn't know interactions. And, but that is why I'm coming to you as a, as a colleague, just to ask those questions. Totally. Chris, what do you think? I mean, definitely from a pharmacist perspective as well, there is a bit of intimidation, I guess, would you say? I mean, Speaking to a lot of the providers that I do, there is a good amount of respect between both professions, but uh, obviously that intimidation level, you know, they do go for a lot of schooling, a lot of practical practice, much like we would do as well. Um, but I definitely always show like the utmost respect to them because of obviously I saw what she went through with medical school and residency. So they definitely do demand that respect as well. Um, but I can definitely see, of course, a bit of in intimidation, but knowing that Ultimately, the reason for our communications today is not to, you know, see who's better than one another, but we're mainly calling to ask or help someone in need, which in this case is a mutual patient, whether it's just calling to check on to make sure this is the most appropriate therapy. Um, again, not trying to say who's right, who's wrong, but again, trying to focus in and dial on the reason for the contact today is to help out a patient in need. So, yeah, no, I think you guys both bring up a really, really good points is that in on one hand, either one, either one of us could 
go to the other and make a recommendation. And there is that fear of judgment, right? There is that fear of like, what if I'm wrong about something? What if the other person completely shuts me down? There is a lot of that concern. Um, but yeah, there's also this idea of respect, which, you know, before I work at my current job now, I never really got to see physicians go through the training, um, especially in the residency side of things. And so now that I get to see how hard their residency years are, how much work they have to, how many hours they have to put in, how much work they have to do, I it makes me respect them a lot more when they are out of that and now they're attendings and they're making recommendations. I know that they've gone years and years and years and years and years, hours and hours, countless of, you know, blood, sweat and tears, I'm sure, to get to where they are. So I think that a lot of times maybe we, because we don't see each other in that, um, you know, training phase that we don't quite know, like, why are you not agreeing with me on my recommendations? Or why are you, you know, doing this, you know? And so we just think that we're right, even though everybody is coming from their own experiences, their own training. And yeah, both sides, pharmacists and, uh, and physicians, like we have the credentials to be there. That means that we have experiences to deliver this type of care. So I think that's really important to come in with with that level of respect. Um, my next question is really for Elizabeth, because this is something that was brought to my attention, this idea of this uh, like scope creep. Um, so the background of this is a pharmacist a colleague of mine sent me this information that's like, hey, the um, American, what is it, the American Pharm Physician Association, um, the AMA has this campaign that's called like scope creeps or something like that um and it's basically there is this fear that other providers are creeping in you know i i mean i don't even really know how to explain it very well but essentially saying that there are certain providers that are trying to take away some of your duties essentially is how i understood it um do you do you can you share your thoughts on that and let us know, you know, what you've been taught regarding this campaign. So to be perfectly honest, um, I did not know anything about this before you brought it to my attention, actually. And um, I think when I was reading more into it, there were some articles regarding, you know, kind of having the pharmacist being able to prescribe medications for things like COVID, RSV in, a, in the emergency state or other medical conditions. Um, so in my opinion, and I really highly respect every, you know, everyone's training and opinions on this. Um, I think the idea behind it is, is good in a sense of, you know, what it, it more just needs to be fleshed out of like, the details of what exactly do you want this person and this person doing, or how do you want this, this pharmacist prescribing these, which, which medications, which conditions? Um, I think they need to flesh out that idea first. And then also, I think this is just from very basic understanding of what pharmacists have access to in terms of patient, um, patient care. 
Um, like I know that in the retail setting, they only have access to the medications and they don't know what they're taking medica certain medications for. Again, uh, at least that's from what Chris and I have discussed uh, that they, they, and they don't really know what the condition, underlying condition is that led them to getting certain medications. Um, so I think we already have enough trouble trying to find a universal EMR as is that can communicate with each other um, into further patient care. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, the question is in which setting are we wanting, for example, pharmacists to be prescribing certain medications for the patient? Is it in the retail setting? Because I already kind of know that in the retail setting, all the retail pharmacists are doing so much as is. They're already doing like, they're checking benefits for the patients. They're doing, they're trying to send uh, refill requests, prior auth, insurance companies tend to not be, like it takes forever to get through to anyone in an insurance company. So they're already trying to do that and also fill patient medications on time, on top of everything. So I feel like that from that demanding job, I don't think that would be a proper setting for them to at least uh, have those responsibilities. Um, I, again, it's just more, I think I would like to be more educated as to what setting are we talking about and what what kinds, how are we, how are pharmacists going to be able to lean on medical history? I know that in the hospital setting, you have access, full access to their chart, but I know that in other settings, they don't have access to full access to patient charts. So that's, that's also another, another factor that I, I would like to learn more about. Um, and I, I, I'm, the thing is, is that we do go through this, uh, the same training with medications. And so with the pharmacy aspect, they would know, like, they would know what indications and things to prescribe the medication for. Um, but, you know, just, just the full, getting the full patient picture, like if for my patient, um, unless it was like in a state of emergency, or if I wasn't reachable, um, that would be kind of the time that Sure, if they see another provider, such as a pharmacy provider or any other provider, for them to fill medications, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, I think yeah, I I don't um I think you brought up a, a lot of really important points. Is that the idea of pharmacists being able to prescribe is not completely fleshed out, and we don't quite know what that looks like. And Chris, I know that you worked for your previous employer was Walgreens. So you have some experience of working in that community retail setting. What do you think about this scope creep, you know, concept? And um, what do you think, like, how would they even apply that type of workload into, into a retail setting like that? Good question. Um, I mean, the closest thing I've really much seen, and I obviously practice in Arizona, uh, but I do know a couple years ago, I think in California, they instated, I forgot exactly what it is, but I know pharmacists can now actually recommend birth control um, and come up with their own decisions. I don't know if it's exactly prescribing it that way. I'd have to ask some of my pharmacist friends in California about that. But um, I think Liz definitely raised a really good uh, point. It's kind of like the setting in which we're trying to do so. Um, Coming from a retail setting, and especially with everything that happened with COVID and everything else is aware as, as that, um, obviously pharmacists do have their hands full a bit, at least in the settings that I've personally seen. 
not only filling medications, but having communications with providers, patients, uh, administering vaccinations, which I think kind of offloads physicians in a way a little bit, um, also saves patients some you know, co-pay visits as well. We can just go down to your local pharmacy, get a flu shot, um, COVID shot, RSV, basically pneumo, almost anything there. Uh, so that weaved in to our normal workload. I mean, it's a part of it. Um, in terms of, I guess, any kind of prescriptive ability, I mean, that's definitely entering that area, which I know a lot of pharmacists would love to promote. And I definitely do see the benefits behind that as well. But in only the settings that I've personally been in, and I know for you being in a clinical hospital setting, you would definitely have significantly more access to patient information than I definitely would. Um, really much in any pharmacy setting that I've been in, you can really only see what they filled pharmacy to pharmacy or even barely their insurance claims. So if it's not there, we can't see it. So we can really only advise what we see there. You know, patients coming in for a certain recommendation, of course, I can't see their full medical history, any kind of health contraindications for the most part, aside from the medications that I'm looking at on my screen. <clears throat> so it definitely, you know, that universal EMR is going to be the key to everything. It's not going to come out anytime soon. Probably it would be super helpful. But I mean, if we were to have access to that, things would definitely be more streamlined. But um, I think Liz already said everything yeah. else. So. <laughs> yes, more information, more information for healthcare providers. Yes. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how easy things would be if we could just figure out what all the diagnoses a patient had and what all the medications they had and not relying on a 90, 80 year old to give us that information? Like they <laughs> don't know. even know half of what they take. I mean, I just know. the other day, I, I did a um, a medication review with a patient and he had his wife brought in a 20 pound bag of medications to the hospital. Literally. She's like, I can't even carry this thing. It, it sits in this little stroller because she can't carry it. And I, I helped them sort it all out, but it's, it's quite a disaster. And he came in because of low blood pressure, you know, bradycardia, low heart rate, because he was over medicating himself, uh, himself essentially. So yeah, um, you guys are bringing up some really important point. I didn't really mean to get into such a deep conversation about prescriber <laughs> status for pharmacists. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, you never know where things go on these LinkedIn lives sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they take a turn. <laughs> but let's get back to maybe some more lighthearted conversation because obviously these are just our opinions. And let me just say, I do agree with you. In pharmacy school, we were told prescriber status is the key to, you know, pharmacists advancing in our profession and all of these things. But as I'm practicing and I'm seeing the realistic side of things, there are a lot of logistics that needs to be ironed out before we can even think about this prescribing, you know, issue. And if you see all the pharmacy walkouts, you know, if you're going to be ha having pharmacists prescribe, you're going to need to fully staff the pharmacy. And there's so much more mm -hmm. that you need to address first before this prescribing status. So, but yeah. love to hear everybody's comments and thoughts below about this. Please put it down in the comment section. We can always just kind of go back to it and respond to you. Um, somebody did write on LinkedIn and Scott Stewart says, congrats, y'all on the one year anniversary. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. My uh, my mom said at the altar, no returns, no exchanges. So <laughs> there <stuff>. you go. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that's so funny. 
Um, okay. Well, let's get back to creating a better relationship between pharmacists and physicians. So Elizabeth, can you give us an example of when a pharmacist really stepped up and helped you in your practice and how other pharmacists can look at this example and, and reflect on their day-to-day -day activities? Well, I mean, I, I will say I consult my husband a lot on like what to do in terms of pharmacy stuff, uh, just in terms of prescribing medications and stuff like that, just to just to just to check myself as well. So that makes my life easier from that aspect. Um, I would say when it comes when it came to residency, actually, I felt like the um, our pharmacists in the hospital where I trained at, they were so good about checking in with us and just telling us, hey, are you sure about you want to, did you mean to order it this way? Because this is the way that we usually order it. So, and they, I, I remember having a patient, he came to the hospital, terrible historian, was on so many medications that we just couldn't figure out from head to toe about it. I was the I was the intern, so I got stuck with being the reconciler of all the medications and trying to yell at the patient, being like, "Hey, did you? Are you taking this for a reason? Did you take this this morning?" And the patient just kind of nodding off here and there. Um, I actually had a pharmacist come down and just help me out because I was just like, "I don't know what to do about this." And then the pharmacist gave me some advice about. Um, I could actually like call into like a retail pharmacy and just ask like, Hey, when was this last filled? Or was there a recent fill on this? Um, just little things like that. that giving my, me a little bit of um, giving me a little bit of insight as to how I can make, give, get myself a better history when I don't have a reliable patient. Um, but in terms of just pharmacy, pharmacists just making my life easier um, there's a few different things. One is that they, they do give me recommendations on how to order things so that insurance won't give us so much kickback about, you know, like whether it's like the 90 day supply versus 30 day supply aspect or the, um, or just certain interactions. Um, sometimes it's built into the computer, but we do have pharmacists that just catch certain interactions where it's just like, Hey, I saw this patient was on this medication. It really interacts with this medication. Do you want to go ahead and switch just little things like that? And so, um, so they, they definitely make my life easier on a day-to-day -day basis. And with the, with that particular patient, my, that pharmacist just really went above and beyond. Um, and so, they made managed to help me med wreck everything because I was again an intern, not being able to just do things by myself quite yet. Um, and they went helped me go through the medications. They were like, "This person probably just had leftover medication from an infection before, or A, B, and C. Um, so this, it's probably not an active medication." Um, and then they were they were giving me some recommendations on how to treat like an infection in patient that wouldn't interact with all their other uh, medications. So that was super helpful. And I, I definitely I was talking to that pharmacist a lot throughout my training um, at that hospital. And it just made me have less fear of going to calling pharmacy and being like, hey, can I order this or is this on formulary or what else can I do and how should I order it? So definitely gave me a little bit of a boost in that sense too. Yeah, I can imagine being so stressed out, you know, trying to figure out medications for patients, especially when you have to even, you also have to think about 
insurance and formulary and things that are not obvious or intuitive, you know, um, not things that you're trained in, especially. So like, let's say if you trained at the VA and then you go work outside community, it's, it's a complete um, switch, you know, in terms of mindset. So I'm glad that pharmacists are able to, you know, help you out, Dr. Elizabeth, and helping make your life a lot easier in that way. And that's the whole point, right, is to be able to help each other get through our our workload and feeling less exhausted and less burned out. Um, what about you, Chris? You worked in retail and now you're more in like a call center type of setting. Um, how has your interaction with physicians been? What is a really good example of how you were able to work well with a provider? And then what about maybe a more negative one and how could you have approached that better? So since we are going for honesty here, <laughs> to be honest, um, as a retail pharmacist and also a call center mail order, hardly ever, and you'll most likely hear this from any pharmacist, you will almost have very minimal interaction with the actual physician themselves. Most of the people you're talking to are their office staff, front desk, medical assistants, nurses, whoever. I can definitely count probably on two hands the actual time I've talked to an actual physician. Uh, but the, every time I would actually talk to them would be very insightful and very helpful as well. Um, in my base setting, I normally would talk to a physician's office and sometimes a physician themselves when we're actually trying to get a medication covered or trying to see what is actually formulary. Uh, because I do work for mail order, we do have access to most of our insurance's um, information which isn't really actually available in a retail setting. So I do have that ability to actually look in formularies much more easily. Um, so most of my conversations with providers mainly deal with um, what is covered, um, alternative medications, and especially with Medicare. Um, if you don't know, Medicare hardly covers anything and medications for old people are super, super expensive. So, I mean, that kind of communications I have with them is critical. Obviously, not all the answers that I can really provide are really what they want to hear, especially when the medications they do want to prescribe. I can easily say that, yes, this is solid, but thinking about the patients, I'm only giving you options that I know that they can't afford. But um, most of my interactions have them have been very positive, I guess I'd say, especially in this setting where I'm not really so much pressed for time since I only really do one simple task. I'm mainly on the phone answering questions, doing consultations. So I do have a bit more time to actually engage in more involved conversations, whether it's with the patient or with the provider. Um, retail setting is significantly different, even though you do want to give as much attention as you can. And obviously, there's a lot of questions that need to be had in a retail setting. Um, I guess in terms of like a negative interaction I had, um, I do remember this one patient uh, and his father would always get their gabapentin filled at my pharmacy almost early. Uh, relatively early when I definitely can see on their last claims that they have at least another three weeks on hand easily, even if the insurance paid for it or not. Now, in some states, gabapentin is actually considered a controlled medication, obviously not here in Arizona, but even still, we would still look with a little bit of closer attention. So um, I don't know if it's necessarily that patient now that I'm thinking about it or a different patient as well, but uh, actually it's it was okay. Go with it. Go with it, Chris. Yeah. Go with it. <laughs> now I think about it, it was, I think it was a controlled medication, whether it was gabapentin or Lyrica, pregabalin, something else 
in a very close proximity, which we would consider to be an early fill um, with plenty of enough overlap that a patient really wouldn't need at this point in time. So I called on a Saturday. I got a hold of the provider somehow, and he just, not to be offensive, was not a pleasant guy at all. He was like, why are you calling me about this? I'm golfing right now. I'm on vacation with my family. Of course, I prescribed this. Please give it to my patient. Why is this even a question? I'm like, okay, sorry to interrupt your vacation, but I'm just letting you know that your patient may not necessarily need this. And of course, with us, um, you know, aside from all the drug interactions and everything, from a certain aspect, we have to make sure that, I mean, controlled substances are done. We do need to monitor them. So I just gave him a heads up to let him know. It's like, are you okay with your patient potentially having extra stockpiling? Is this known for this patient? Do they commonly do this? And he kind of just blew me off and said, why are you bothering me on vacation? Fill it. It's what I want. Do it. Have a good day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> if that's how you want to go about that, fine. Full documentation and everything. But um, those types of interactions were a little bit more prevalent in um, the retail setting. Of course, there was plenty of other positive interactions I had with them. But um, overall, again, just built on that mutual respect that we're just trying to be a little bit more cautious and help the patient in whatever aspect we need. So I get it. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough situation. I definitely have had experiences calling a doctor, even in the hospital setting. Oh, no, poor Chris. <laughs> um, definitely even in the hospital setting, I remember this is way early on in my in my career. And I saw a note by a cardiologist that oh, start patient on amiodarone. I saw that the patient was not on amiodarone. I called uh, the cardiologist um, and it was a different guy. It was a, it was now, you know, they switch um, shifts. So it's a different person. He's like, well, if, if it's written in the note and it's not ordered, then don't worry about it. And I'm like, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. Does the patient need amiodarone or not? Like, it's not just this like simple medication. It's not like it's, I don't even know, like, melatonin you know like it's around like does your patient need this or not but he that cardiologist got very annoyed and upset that i called and i'm like i i have to call like you could be making a big mistake and the patient needs you know us to verify that so but chris yeah. like i when you tell that story i completely relate even though i'm in a different setting completely yeah. it happens <laughs> Short, short version is it happens. It happens. So Elizabeth, <laughs> after we're bashing um, some of your colleagues <laughs> in front of you, uh, what are your thoughts overall about this? Um, well, I mean, I, so I think the thing is, is that it comes down to the kind of person that particular physician or the particular pharmacist is in a way personality wise, because I honestly, like if, if Chris was trying to, or if anyone was trying to call me on a weekend, just to clarify, or just let me know, Hey, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is something that's getting filled too soon, or you could potentially have stockpiling. Like for me, if coming from a residency that was just very not into doing controlled substances at all, um, I, I do take that kind of stuff seriously. So the fact that somebody was able to reach out to me and, and let me know, hey, just a heads up, this is getting filled too soon. Um, I would be more inclined to just talk to the patient about it and or um, have a follow up and 
at least thank the pharmacist for being like, hey, like, thanks for giving me a heads up about it. Because they they actually have a lot of stuff in front of them um, resource-wise as to like what claims are there or what claims have been sent to their insurance or like how much medication has been filled, stuff like that. Just like a, a little bit more in a, I guess, slightly more understandable setting of it, that, so that they will be able to easily calculate like if that fill is too soon and stuff like that. We just kind of just send in as needed, right? So, I mean, I think it, it just comes down to the core of it, um, of just, you know, having certain respect for your colleagues. And unfortunately there are those, there are, and I, I'm not here to bash anyone, but I do, I, I do know of some colleagues that are just very disrespectful in general, just as a person. And so, even to towards other doctors. And that's just an unfortunate thing that we kind of end up dealing with. Um, I think for me, the only person that I can honestly control is myself and how my interactions are. And I only just want to have positive uh, learning interactions with my colleagues. So that's my take on it. And I'm yeah, sorry I that, that happened to both of you. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sure that it happens to you too, as a medical resident and having to call in and maybe consult somebody and then probably get a lot of pushback as well. So you're right. I think that maybe the idea of getting along with each other is not necessarily just pharmacist, doctor, but it's in general, such a high stress environment. And how can you control some of your own, you know, emotional issues and come to work with um, respect and, you know, clarity to help to help patients, because at the end of the day, it is all about helping patients. And I know if I think to myself, like, oh, man, I have to call this doctor, I know he's going to be so mad at me just because that's who he is. But me as a pharmacist, I have to for my patient, because I'm there to protect them. And I'm there to support and help them. I have to just bite the bullet and call this doctor and try my best to have you know, a respect, respectful conversation as much as possible. So we're all there for our patients. And if we put that first, I think that will help a lot. Um, I do want to read another comment that we got from Jordan. So he says here, the need for this kind of information to be interoperable is absolutely critical. So he was kind of referring back to our conversation about this universal EMR. I wonder what vectors should would serve in strategically expanding an industry-wide standard. It would mitigate so much unnecessary, fragmented, and cumbersome, cumbersome experience for patients and physicians alike. It's so true. I mean, I know. And I, you know, if, if anybody out there who's working for companies that are, you know, working for a universal EMR, I would love to interact with you. I'd love to hear what you guys have been working on. That'd be so cool to, to know what is coming because um, we definitely, definitely need this. This will help so much in moving forward. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've already touched on a lot of um, interesting things and about kind of our day-to-day and our interactions with each other. One last question about interprofessional education. Do you think the schools are doing enough um, to help bridge that gap between individual practitioners or do you think the schools can do a little bit more? I know from my perspective, I mean, I went to school years ago. <laughs> so 
I'm a little bit outdated, so I don't know how accurate my information is, but I remember we did get to interact with the medical students as pharmacy students, and we got to be on like this teamwork um, type of seminar. And But it wasn't very patient-specific because at the time, as a pharmacy student, I don't really know like pharmacotherapy yet. And then at the time, as a medical student, they don't know pharmacotherapy either or patient care. So when we interacted, it was just kind of like getting to know each other, but not in a medical setting. So I don't think it was actually very effective for me. But what did you guys think? So I think in my first year of pharmacy school, there was, wasn't really too much. I think the only thing we really had was this uh, program called HOME which forgot what the acronym stands for, but basically it's like a volunteering event where you can go down to like homeless shelters, uh, basically provide patient care, um, which of course you would have a team of <clears throat> usually NP students, DOs, pharmacy there. But with it being usually the pharmacist like first year, like we don't know anything. Um, some of the medical students, they're like, we don't know any pharmacology. We haven't started pharmacology yet. So I'm like, can't help you either. But um, other than that, it was just kind of learning how they operate. Um, my school, Midwestern, I think towards the end, we started to do more interprofessional practice, I guess you could say. Uh, however, the extent of that was only one real, like a simulation. I guess we would usually have simulations, obviously, in pharmacy school for like our own curriculum and grading and that kind of thing. Uh, but this was more of like a practice scenario, I guess you could say, still a simulation where um, we had two pharmacy students or acting pharmacists. Um, two other medical providers where they would present a case, pharmacy would follow up and that kind of thing. It was a very brief, I guess you could say, interaction. Um, we had like 30 minutes to prepare, go over and go in and meet them. Uh, it was very truncated, I guess you could say, and not very too, well, in a clinical setting, I'm, I'm sure it does happen a little bit more formally, especially in a hospital setting, retail, definitely not so much. But um, it did get a little bit of insight of how they present cases. Um, obviously I saw you through medical school, so I know I hear percent cases and everything like that. And for them, the other professions to see how pharmacy would interpret, go back and forth, look for drug interactions, and then follow back with the provider. Um, so I guess you could definitely say that was something. However, it was really only just one simulation that happened one week out of one single quarter. So it wasn't too, I guess, provoking, but I guess it was a step in the right direction to at least introduce that to different professions. So it was there. Yeah. Well, um, I actually went to medical school in the same, uh, in the same uh, uh, what's it called? academic setting as uh, Kristen. I, I went to Midwestern as well. So basically, um, there was the home setting, which I honestly didn't think about that one. Um, thanks for that. Yeah. But, um, the other, the thing is, is that with that interprofessional day, I will say, it was literally like one morning or one hour per quarter and it was it was mandatory so it's like kind of like you're kind of forcing people to interprofessional people to just get together and you're it's it, it, the the setting behind it to me as I'm looking back in the many many years ago that I went to medical school um I would say like it was kind of like a forced setting where you're just like, okay, we get to meet these random people that we'll probably never see again on campus again. Um, and then we get to do this clinical case scenario. And the thing with Midwestern is that they have so many different uh, professional uh, schools. They have veterinary school, 
they have pharmacy, they have dental, they have all kinds of different things. So like the sometimes the I'll be honest, sometimes the clinical case scenario would alienate one of the uh, specialties. So if it was like the patient was a human, the veterinary student is just sitting there just being like, hey, did they have a cat bite or something like that I could help out with or something like that. So it was it was definitely different for sure. I think they should do more or at least increase awareness of what people do, because now right, right now, it well, at least in the Arizona community setting, it's kind of up to like us, for example, like in residency, I started leading, well, my, I helped start leading a, more of a coalition to kind of help with um, high school students to find out like, you know, what doctors do, what nurses do, what PT students do, or P- PTs do, or just different settings or different professions in the healthcare setting, um, just to make them aware. Um, unfortunately, I think we didn't really have any pharmacists uh, involved in that at that time. But I feel like as as like a high school student or as a college student, if I was made aware of like how much pharmacists did, like I feel like I would have had a lot more just kind of like stepwise process of just being realizing that they do a lot more. And I will forgive me for saying this in my perception when I was growing up, I just thought that pharmacists just counted pills and just dispensed it to us. That was like the 90, yeah, I'm dating myself now. That, that was the 90s setting. I just, what I saw as a child growing up, going through high school, college, that was all I saw was literally just pharmacists counting pills and just giving it to me in a bottle. And that was all I knew. And that's all I was made aware of. Um, so uh, I think if we were like, just kind of more aware of like what pharmacists actually did, um, just kind of more integrated in our educational settings too. Um, I think that would be a lot more helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I, I agree with all of that. I think that there's an opportunity for pharmacy schools to, and medical schools and everywhere else to, um, create better opportunities for students to get together and, and learn how to work better together, how to help utilize each other and not alienate each other so much um, because then it translates over to the workplace. And again, the reason why we're having this conversation is to make people's lives better when they're, you know, practicing. So if we can establish that early on um, in the foundation, I think that would just help everybody out early on and it can help prevent burnout. It can help prevent um, unsatisfactory workplace, so many things. So, all right. Well, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to to talk with you about in terms of this conversation. And I really want to move on to something that's a little bit more fun because, oof, to be to be honest, that was a little uh, that was a little you know deep and <laughs> um, not dark, but there was you you definitely both spill lots of lots of tea, and I appreciate that. But I think it's time for us to do a little bit something a little bit more fun, so that we end on a happy happy note and everybody can <laughs> go home and have a good uh, Saturday. So. Um, as you both know, or as everyone know on this live, that Chris and Elizabeth are married and they're about to celebrate their first year anniversary. And um, the funny thing about, let me see if I can show this slide. <laughs> so the funny thing is that we 
I was in their wedding. Ah, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a really lovely wedding. It was very beautiful. I, I love your dress, Elizabeth. And Chris, you look very handsome there. And um, beautiful, beautiful. You guys had it at a beautiful church. But one thing that they made us do is that they made us learn a choreography, uh, choreography for their dance. So we... We all learn this thing um, and we dance to this song uh, to join them on their, their first dance. And it was really nice. It was really lovely. It was a great experience, but I'm not the best dancer. But one of the things that they did <laughs> by the end was this epic, this epic, what is that? Like a, a dip? I don't know what that's called. We what were trying that? to do a dip at, to end our song. So and as you can see, was, I was yeah. scared. I was terrified. I thought that he was going to drop her. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, what's the story? So the story is, so this was my best man, Ryan, right up front. And of course, I'm dipping Elizabeth for our final dip. We just kind of wanted this epic photo that we wanted. Uh, but unbeknownst to me, uh, my groomsmen were supposedly planning to do like this full-on epic pose, all of them, uh, at the final dip. I had no idea, but I had a feeling they were planning someone something. But I guess when the moment came, the only one who actually decided to do it was Ryan, whereas they all agreed that they actually wouldn't do it. So the only one who didn't get the memo was the one who's supposed to know everything, which is the best man. So that's why his pose is right in front of us. And it's <laughs> so, so he was yeah. betrayed. He was betrayed by the other girl. He was betrayed. <gasps> yes. Gasp. Wow. But now wow. it's just like a photo we can look back and laugh. Like, and just <laughs> back, so. I guess I was, I mean, I, I know I, I, I do wear my emotions on my sleeve, but my expression was just a little weird. <laughs> I was just, oh. uh, I was very intense. I was like, oh my gosh. But <laughs> anyways, um, well, to celebrate your... Let's see if I can, to celebrate your one year anniversary, I figured we're gonna do a little bit of a newlywed game. And let's see if you guys know each other the way that you think you know each other. All right, okay. so I have 10 questions and then we're gonna um, go through them real fast. And you'll, sh okay. so I'm gonna ask some questions and then you guys decide who is more likely to do what. So the first question is, who is the better cook, the pharmacist or the doctor? <gasps> well, <laughs> no dinner for you, sir. No. <laughs> First question, and they're already disagreeing. Okay. Well, who's the tidiest? <laughs> okay, good. They agree on this one. The pharmacist, which I feel like makes sense, right? We like to keep yeah. our space tidy. We like to. Oh, yes. Attention to detail. <laughs> attention to detail, yes. So then, speaking of attention to detail, who is the better driver? Really? I am shocked. Wow, Chris. Look at he's gone into more accidents than I have. Just one. <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> Just That's the one. one more. <laughs> one more than zero. So who picks which movie to watch? Hmm. Oh, the pharmacist is the one to yeah. pick. Okay. All right. Well, who is the better listener? Mm, I'm curious now this one. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor is the better listener of the two. Wow. It's okay. part of what I do every day. <laughs> That's you very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I would assume the other way around for some reason. 
but I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's just my assumption. <laughs> Who is more adventurous? Ooh, the doctor is more adventurous. Come on, Chris. We gotta get you something. We gotta get you something good. <laughs> You're representing pharmacy here. <laughs> okay, who's more competitive? <laughs> this, this just goes with her personality. I'm too easygoing to be competitive. <laughs> too easygoing. Well, that's a good fit. You know, one of you needs to be the competitive one. Yes. Okay. But speaking of competitive, who is better at karaoke? Oh, oh. this is definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> The guy who does sing. Yes. <laughs> I sang at the wedding. You sang at the yes. She yes, sing at I was gonna say you did sing. What is it? Ave Maria. Uh, you did sing the prayer. Yes, the prayer. That one. Oh, yes. okay. The prayer by Josh Groban. Oh, why did I think? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, who, who is more likely to give the best present? Something <laughs> he does. Ooh, oh, <laughs> you guys, that warms my heart. So the doctor thinks the pharmacist yes. is better and the other way around. So you guys just trying to compliment each other there. All right. And lastly, who takes longer to get ready? <laughs> Listen, she's got a face of makeup to beat. Okay, Chris? That is true. <laughs> this does not, I don't wake up like this. Okay. <laughs> Look at this. Yes. Um, all right, guys. Well, that was super fun. Thank you so much for joining me on this LinkedIn Live. And I'm glad that I was your first LinkedIn Live ever. And so now you can feel free to explore that path even more. But um, thank you so much for joining me. And I think I appreciate you guys being very honest and uh, just being truthful on this LinkedIn Live. I'm sure a lot of people appreciate it and can relate to you. Um, to be honest, those are the only two comments that I saw. I don't know if there's any other. Let me check real quick. Um, oh, I guess um, Ayaz. I'm not sure if I pronounced your name correctly, but he said, good topic and discussion. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, too. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So Thanks so much for joining me. Um, oh, by the way, I do want to ask if they want to find out more about you, you guys, where can they find you? Do you have social media? Um, right now, I mean, I have LinkedIn, which uh, which everyone can feel free to message on. I, I've been, I just restarted my LinkedIn. Um, we also have Instagram, which I believe I put it on my LinkedIn page, but if I haven't yet, I'll probably yeah. do that at some point. And so, yeah. And so you guys that, have a blog or a vlog, I'm sorry, a video blog yeah. <laughs> um, yes. on YouTube, right? And it yes. documents your adventures and relationship. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we uh, we just rebranded to The Doctor Wins. So. Yeah. so awesome. Okay. I'm excited to see where the rebranding goes. <laughs> Listen, I love all my friends who are trying out this social media adventure and creating their own brands. I think it's so much fun. I can't wait to see where your creativity takes you. Um, speaking of creativity, I do have a podcast called Hey RX Friends, We Got This, where we do, my co-host and I, um, Sally and I, share a lot of our pharmacy experiences. And if you like how honest we were on this episode, on this live today, um, we're also super honest and candid about our experience in pharmacy as well. And as two women of color, we love to share our voices and um, make sure that our voices are represented. So please check us 
uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Um, at HairX hey Friends, we got this. All right, guys. Have an amazing rest of the weekend, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.